You're listening to the Down the Pub podcast, Canada's premier football show. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This episode of the Down the Pub podcast is brought to you in association with Bootbox Vancouver, suppliers of boot socks. No movement in the boot means no blisters on the foot. Head to bootboxvancouver.com to get yours today. Our Wanderers Games reviews are brought to you thanks to the good folks at Humble Pie. Authentic butterflake pastry filled with local cuts, quality cheese and rich gravy to fill you up on the go or in the comfort of your own home. Head to humblepiekitchen.ca to get yours today. Pies and points, the perfect match. Okay, so uh, welcome to this episode of the Down the Pub podcast. Uh, managing consultant of York Nine, Angus McMahon, returns to the show um, to talk about uh, York's performances um, at the Island Games. Welcome back to the show, Angus. Very good to see you. Um, very good to see you. And uh, congratulations to you and uh, all you guys on uh, getting through to stage two. Yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I'm still feeling the effects of celebrating yesterday, so... Uh, if, I sound, if, I sound, if I sound drowsy, and, uh, yeah, there's a reason for it. Um, Carlos and Chris are here too. So um, the, the first question I have for you is, obviously you didn't qualify for the second round, but what positives are you taking from the games? Positive for us are undoubtedly the young guys. Um, we, this just sounds a little bit cliche, but um, we had sort of things, when you look at it, the injuries, the adversity that, um, particular individuals in our squad faced to then sort of even to be 2 0 down against um, Atletico in, in the first game. Um, seeing that first game seems so long ago now, it's just moved so quickly. But for Max Ferrari to sort of be a catalyst and sort of take things on down that right hand side, center the ball to the Lowell, and you've got a guy who's scoring when he's 16 years old. Um, and becomes the league's youngest ever goal scorer. Um, that's great. That's phenomenal for us. Um, and those guys stepping up and then from that moment on, be it Aija, who I think people really, really sort of caught the eye. Uh, Aija really caught people's eye. Um, Isaiah coming on in late in games and, and sort of really, really putting himself about doing everything to challenge and, and he will get better. Zeke in goal coming in and being very, very close to seeing that one out. It was great service. Um, it was a great goal against through, from you guys, um, which we would like to have that moment back and do better. It was a free kick we shouldn't have even given up um, and put pressure on ourselves in that situation. Um, and then, again, the, the whole way through, it's sort of like those boys performed. But even a guy, and I've got to give him a massive rap as well, who didn't see the pitch in Julian Altabelli. So his progression from coming into the team to sort of when we leave this now, um, it's been a fantastic footballing education and, and learning for him as well. So the fact that we have so many of those guys, not just coming back as under-21s for next year, but still having multiple years of under-21 eligibility is what we can do, what we can sort of really, really develop. Um, and on the under-21 guys, yes, there's a, a little bit of opportunism when uh, on my side when guys become available and um, staying close to the agent network within Toronto so it's to, and the GTA to make some of those things happen. But 
ultimately it's it's Jimmy, Stolly, Camillo, Ryan, I direct Jimmy's brother, Ryan Brennan, our director of soccer ops, Alex Bazzari, um, our, who's our equipment manager, but does much more than that. All of those guys within that staff being on the pulse of youth soccer so that when there is opportunity, like they can give me a scouting report pretty detailed pretty quickly and we can move on those kids. Um, that allowed us to do that. Their performances are a big positive. Um, and in addition to that, I think as well, it's again, it plays on the local talent bit. I thought Joe DiCiaro was brilliant. And um, I, I honestly don't care that we've gone out the tournament. I think Joe was unlucky to be um, suspended for a game. Um, the guys took care of it for him against Edmonton. But, and then when he came back in um, against uh, Cavalry again on Saturday, it was, it was great again. I, I honestly think it doesn't matter if we're in this tournament or not. At, up to this point, Joe DiCiara should be in most people's discussions for a tournament MVP. Yeah, I totally agree. He, he's, had a, he's had a great game. Um, obviously, he was involved in the red card against us, so he's probably not the most favourite person here in Halifax, to be honest, but hey, whatever. Um, but it, it takes a lot of courage to, uh, to to bring young guys along like that too. It's not just having your finger on the pulse. It also it takes a lot of guts to fill up spots in your team with young guys and give them the opportunity, and that's what the league's all about. Um, so, obviously, you guys had a, an issue with scoring goals in uh, open play. What do you think was causing those issues um to be honest time on the training pitch um alvaro like we got alvaro into the country just before so just before like we needed to to quarantine in time to get to pei so alvaro's meeting guys like at the airport (laughs) for the very first time and then he's taken to the field sort of days later um in addition to that, sort of like Gabriel Vasconcelos, Gabriel had a phenomenally tough time at the start of this, um, where he arrives in Canada and he's a hundred days in the country before he actually has his first training session in Canada. So there are little things that just didn't help with building cohesion um, and getting things there. But then once when once you get into the tournament, um, and it's the same for everyone. So other teams adapted better to this than us or prepared better for it than us. Um, but you've played a game, you're going again in 48, 72 hours. Um, you've not got the time to do the work on the training pitch. It's refuel, rehab, do everything you need to, to reduce muscle soreness, swelling, um, walk through, and then you're on to game day. Um, so the tactical adjustments, the work that you would hope to do over the course of a normal season. And, um, and, and actually that's probably one of my biggest failings in sort of once we went to tournament four format, we still recruited as if we're recruiting for a 28 game season. Um, so I would put the emphasis on youth where we put the emphasis on skill players and, and style and what we want to do. Um, after things happened with COVID and we didn't get Adrian Ugariza and Yako into the country, um, we lacked that big man up front, um, really. And it didn't give Jimmy the option to shift it and, and move it. Lowell is a big body, but he's a 16 turning 17 year old kid. We couldn't ask him to perform the same role as Yako coming into this. And so um, some of that's on me in terms of not giving uh, Jimmy some of the tools to do it, but, Ultimately, I think 
um, and people will have seen enough of Lowell even in that first game in subsequent games when he when he started and other things that you see why we made that call and why we made that decision. Yeah, um, I, I mean, we kind of just talked a little bit off air though, um, like how 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 much the affect things not having like a fully fit Michael Patrasso and a fully fit Chris Manella uh, coming to the games. Uh, pretty huge. I mean, um, you. And I don't want to do a disservice to someone like uh, uh, Wata, who was just phenomenal, I think, for us and one of our best players. But um, Chris Manella would be a one a member of our starting eleven. I think he brings a degree of um, aggression on both sides of the ball. Um, and I mean that when he wins the ball back, he does it in a manner where he's looking to progress and move forward and move up the pitch. Um, Wata does a phenomenal job winning the ball back. He's incredibly skilled technically. His pass completion it, it is phenomenal. Uh, but I think Chris just has that a uh, little bit more aggression and directness in his play that we missed. Um, and sort of that directness centrally rather than sort of moving to a wing. Um, too often we were sort of launching a ball in from... Um, beyond or sort of behind the 18-yard box on a flank rather than from a byline um, and other places. And that just means that it's lower probability shots that we're going to get off as a result of that. Um, so, and again, if we're saying that and it goes along with it, um, if you've got Michael Petrazzo playing on a flank and able to get to the byline to use his speed to cut in, it, again, it brings that threat getting to the byline and also driving in centrally as well. Um, and again, the, the effect of that with Michael was probably that we weren't able to um, use substitutions as we may have planned before as well. Um, as you would have seen with some of the young guys that um, maybe even an Ija, a Max, someone else to keep sort of real relentless intensity and pace in the game. Um, we weren't able to do that quite as much as we would have wanted. So just before I hand it over to Chris, I just had one more question. So obviously, um, the, the, the guys go, go back to, to York. So what happens then? Do they all just disperse, go their own separate ways, or just have plans for uh, the off-season, or what, what happens next? Yeah, we, we're going to look at that. Um, it, it's a long off-season for us now. Um, it, it, it is a long off-season. So um, we are not going to return everyone to home markets so I'll make a decision on that at least to the end of the week um, we, we're going to see where we are we're going to take a little bit of time coaching staff players um, as we had a chat on before we press record um, bubble life will have been hard um, people need a little bit of time to sort of readjust um, see families see friends and, and then's the time for us to have sort of real discussions on um, what next, player development plans, player progression plans. Um, that being said, this week for me is uh, a lot of work on the phone to uh, agents, to clubs around the world, trying to see if we can um, secure some football for, for some of our guys um, between now and, and the start of next season. Nice. Um, um, I find it, sorry, just before I hand it over, uh, if any of the guys are bored and they want to do some podcast work, we're always here to help, my friend. Uh, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm sure a few of the boys can, uh, can have a chat. I'm sure they're all willing to have a nat with you, nice. Uh, Chris or Carlos, for the way there, man. I'll go first, uh, as you do, Mike, Chris. Um, 
because so, uh, it was related to what uh, Angus said about the market, because that was one of my questions that I was going to ask. Um, because this being such a small tournament, small, I mean, short, because it's only a month and on a week, I think. And uh, it's really hard to put uh, players on the market, you know, and it's kind of like modern football business now. It's just like buying and selling players. It, it, it's as rough as it sounds. It's how the money moves in, in, in the clubs and everything. So um, is there, um, has been any, because um, when we interviewed the players, you know, like the main goal is just like being sold and just getting sold, getting the exposure out there, the Canadian Premier League. And, and it's, it's captured in the eyes. We got now platforms like uh, Fox Sports 2 that was broadcasting some matches, same with uh, the Indian market. So we're getting the exposure there. Um, do you think that this um, COVID situation kind of like shake the whole world and also the market? Now we're seeing football coming back with no crowd. Eventually, you know, as, as, as we are like, as time passes, like we're going to get crowds and crowds, like all depends on the vaccine and everything, but those are different subjects. Um, how hard it's going to be for you guys to kind of like, if there's some interest to getting one of, of your players, like for you guys to get the exposure out there, because most of the leagues, I, I don't know, I think transfer windows are finishing now. So basically all of the players are going to be kind of like free agents after that. And this being such a short term, I mean, how difficult is for you guys to manage the, the, the transfer window and, you know, like getting players in your roster? Yeah. I mean, it, in terms of pre-tournament and acquiring guys, um, it we've done a lot of the legwork. We had some things that were thrown at us where we had to make changes and, and we mm -hmm. had to adapt and everyone did that um, league-wide. I think now um, the market shift, the market's changed. So while the top tier and everything that's been reported in Europe, um, mm -hmm. there's obviously plenty going on at sort of like, the big four, the big five, um, could Everton be in the big six now in terms mm -hmm. of with some of the stuff that they're doing uh, right there as well. But it's, listen, there's market, there's movement at the top end, um, mm -hmm. but that's that's just it is what it is. They're not necessarily attendance-driven leagues. They're leagues that are driven by uh, broadcast revenue. Mm -hmm. um, and so as long as they're putting those games on, that's still happening and, and they've still got significant sources of funds there. Um, I think for ourselves um, and for other leagues around the globe that really rely on um, attendance as a revenue driver, um, mm -hmm. the, the market is getting tighter. Um, mm -hmm. But with that, for us, and, and I think this is the strength of the Canadian Premier League, is you have a group of owners around the table who are phenomenally committed to the game here and where other leagues in Canada didn't get it to happen this year. Um, people working together um, and actually, to be very frank, putting their money where their mouth is and stumping up. Mm -hmm. um, it would have been very easy for everyone within this league to have shot up shop this year. Um, they didn't. Um, the owners backed their players, backed the staff at clubs. Um, and I have to thank the Bordesara family at, at York for doing that and everyone else around the league um, as well. They will back us again, I'm sure, um, as we look at the opportunities that the new world presents us. Um, yes, we had the 21st club project, but there is a new class of player that 
is becoming available as a result of a, a turbulent, a volatile market that exists right now. Um, and that will be exciting for Canadian Premier League fans in, in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, with regards getting our players out there, again, our, our owners aren't necessarily greedy or naive. They realise that a lot of clubs will be under stress, under duress and, and fighting for their existence. So mm-hmm. um, we also need our players to play. So I think we'll be able to look at loans and loan terms that are advantageous to all parties because we want to see our players continue to develop. Um, And so we have a responsibility in growing the asset value of our clubs to provide opportunities for all of these players that are on our rosters. Um, Some of it might happen, some of it may not. Um, Legislation around which country you're from and where you can go to comes into it. Um, Availability of passports for each player. It's not as simple as just send him somewhere for free. the same restrictions we face in squad size, in roster composition, in over, underage, foreigners, all of that stuff comes into it. So there's a lot that we all need to do and work through. But again, I've been so impressed with the people sat around the table um, making decisions at other clubs within this league that I'm sure everyone has the best interest for their players at heart. Um, And we'll do absolutely everything we can to try and secure football for them between now and the restart. And it's good to hear that because you guys are in the right path. Like, you know, you guys are start like doing things the right way. And I'm sure that uh, better things for, for York will come. And speaking of that, that, the last question before I pass it to Chris is, I saw on social media that uh, you guys are starting the works in the stadium right now. And you were, you were talking about fan engagement. So my question basically is like, these renos definitely going to be a better for the club. Um, are you guys, can you tell us more about this Renos? Is going to be expanding the supporter sections? If you can share. Yeah, so, no, no worries at all. I mean, um, we're obviously tenants at York Lions Stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, and York University are phenomenal landlords for us. Um, it's our training base. Um, it's, it's obviously where we play games. The track and um, not just the track, but... Um, the access to the track that uh, Canada Athletics or Athletics Canada, sorry, had meant things were challenging for us um, on a match day for setup uh, in lots and lots of different ways. The the work that's being done at the stadium to actually increase the pitch size, move it closer to the stands, um, is going to be huge for us in creating atmosphere. Um, so. The things that we promised and um, had launched this year, but we were obviously not able to play in our home market with Friday night football and sort of really, really driving our own little segment, our own USP within the Toronto sports market. Mm-hmm. Um, they will be back for 2021. Um, we, we will do that. We will push on with it. Um, we have a lot of time now. Um, and I expect myself and my staff to be fully committed to getting that right. Um, people make the jokes about why nine, like, is that your attendance or this or that? We've got to kill that. And then the way we kill that is by packing that stadium, making mm-hmm. it a vibrant, fun, must-see attraction for people um, within the GTA. And so we have to do that. And the while we've been playing football, the focus hasn't shifted from doing that from the staff that are in the office. Um, uh, and they are a phenomenally talented and committed group. And 
Uh, I'm proud to work with them all on that and I'm sure we'll deliver something that next year the entire league will be proud of in a venue that um, I, I, I think people are really going to enjoy coming to. Excellent. That's great. Go for it, Chris. I know you want to be playing right now still, Angus, obviously. And I thought the boys did actually put in a good account of themselves, just those late goals. And, and you know, you could kind of feel it emotionally through the screen, you know, it's just the, the dejection. And I can feel it through just talking to you right now. You know, you're, you're a pretty proud guy. And, and I think you're still really proud of, of what those guys have done for you guys. And you've already mentioned like the, the positives that Anthony asked, you know, and, and to me that just bodes well for the future of this club. How do you sell that to the fans? Because you're talking about creating that experience, that, that vibrancy. How are you going to be able to make that connection with the fans that this is still just the beginning of a promising project and not a failed expectation? Yeah, it's um, uh, in some ways the, why um, we chat to you guys like right now um, in terms of we're not burying our head in the sand. Um, We tried something. Um, the players that are there and represented this club put everything into it. A couple of unfortunate circumstances, a couple of unfortunate injuries, but um, I think we know that we can, even still, we tried, we can still give a better account of ourselves. Um, we still may be missing some pieces. Um, there will be changes on all fronts. They have to be, um, because if we stagnate and stay the same, we can't expect a different outcome. So we'll push on. We won't rest until we deliver our fan base what we think they deserve, which is a perennial playoff contender and a team that is out there competing for and ultimately winning championships. So you were talking about those changes. Does this tournament being shorter kind of forgive some of those mistakes, maybe kind of adjust changes for you? Or because of the pressure of the tournament, does it actually kind of accentuate those mistakes and makes you make those decisions a little bit quicker now. You have kind of a smaller sample to, to make those decisions instead of the full 28-game body. So I guess you've already kind of gone over how you're going to approach this offseason, but I guess in terms of a 50-50 decision, does this season being short kind of tip you to giving somebody another chance? Or is that we've seen what we have on to the next one? I don't want you to give too much info. No, I'm just kind of like where you're at, yeah. Absolutely. Um It's the whole picture and it's a complete holistic view. There's, um, it's said too often, there's the data side of it. We'll look at 2019 to 2020 um, across, team, across a team basis, across an individual basis for the guys that returned. Um, we'll then bring into it all the human factors, how people interacted, how they worked in the environment, all of this kind of stuff. Um, and sort of then, On, on the playing and the personnel side that way, it'll be a very, very open and honest discussion with Jimmy, Stolle, Camillo, the group that we mentioned before, Sam Gregory um, on, the, on the data and analytics side to sort of shed some light on a few things. Um, why have others succeeded when, when we've not? What have they done that's different? Um, and we've looked at that the whole way through, how other teams have been setting up, what have they been doing? And, and so we'll, everyone's well aware of it. Um, It's just a standard review um, that has to take place. Um, I don't think we want to be rash, but obviously um, there's, there's being rash and there's being ready. Um, we need to be ready for April, and that means that um, things need to be put in place. We need certainty. Um, I don't think 
anyone could have predicted COVID, but still with all of all of that, the immigration piece and, and what we wanted to do and, and how we would tackle it differently. Um, maybe we do need a higher proportion of our international slots locked up earlier. And it's a little bit of flex later on um, because we've got a little bit more confidence in the domestic market and what we can supplement with, um, be that player movement within the league or actually in a pretty interesting development with players within uh, the USL, Canadians within the USL, not being classed as domestic next year. So there's opportunity there for us to look at and recruit as well. So You, you took my next question off my piece of paper, Angus, but keep going. <laughs> no, this, listen, there's some great players. Um, I, I think if you look at draft boards, even um, in, in the MLS Super Draft the last couple of years, there's quite a lot of, of kids come out of where we would consider the GTA our backyard. Um, and moved on to MLS teams. So there's even um, various kids and, and what happens at MLS clubs um, right now in, in the off-season, not just within Canada, but there are Canadians playing on MLS teams across the country. So um, we have to keep an eye on it. We have to look at it, move pieces around and see where we are. Um, but we ultimately, we, we have to first off realise where we went wrong um, and it's probably still a bit too raw um, to do that right now. Um, but we need to look at it again, see where we are. And um, we need to sort of, ultimately, we, we, um, we need to be sort of fearless to a degree. Um, and we have to be bold. We have to really, really go for this. Um, and I genuinely believe that that's, that's the way that... Um, our fan base would like us to tackle it is to, to really, really meet the challenge head on um, and keep pushing forward and, and wanting to drive progress. Well, before I hand it back to Anthony, it's, it's, it seems like a cliche question now in this crazy world we live in and you know, you're just kind of getting over this season. So looking forward to next season is just kind of maybe too far in the horizon, but from a league perspective, you were talking about all those heads around the table coming together, trying to make things work. Has there been a conversation about plan A, plan B, plan C for next year? Um, one of the frustrations for the fan base was that there wasn't a lot of communication from the Canadian Premier League and that it seemed like everything was kind of thrown together last minute. I could be wrong with that assumption, but has there been discussions to kind of maybe secure next season for the fans as well as for you guys. So you were talking about international players, for example. So you guys can actually secure these signings and make sure these players have at least a seven game tournament next year too. If this COVID situation doesn't go away. And if the answer is no, we haven't talked then just, yeah. <laughs> no, listen, we, we have very regular meetings um, with the board of governors. Um, and we've had to throughout all of this. Um, I think the difficulty is that, We've been very close to saying things a number of times, but a lot of it isn't in our hands. Um, and I think, and I think some of that you need to be really proud of as Canadians that you've actually been in a country that's had incredible leadership through this, um, and we uh, and things have got better. Um, so there was a need for patience around that table as well we all wanted to hit the accelerator and press go when we saw other leagues as well but some of it just wasn't in any of our control 
and and sometimes yes it would be great to do a better job saying that but also there are there are bigger discussions at play there when we've been discussing event sort of help um sponsorship um working with sort of the federal government um some things just weren't on our time on timetable um and some things are just not appropriate for the public domain either um while we'd love to be completely open honest and transparent um we we all have a duty to our partners around that table as well um and listen things like this i think things like the commissioner when he goes and speaks you guys have derek there in halifax there are multiple others um as well uh, across sort of leadership who when you ask them a, a direct question they'll give you as honest an answer as possible um we just continue to try and do that yeah it's uh like you know we totally get that obviously you kind of need to make sure you're giving fans the right information I, as chris said i just think that people were just getting a little bit frustrated like nothing was coming out so maybe like for next time i guess it would be a good idea for you to kind of maybe just trust the fans a little bit more and just give us like some anything just to kind of keep us ticking over because that's how stuff festers <laughs> that, was, that was kind of it i just i just the, the, the where my question came from is just kind of like i think the like you were talking about angus how like not to use the CFL by name, but I just use the CFL by name, um, how leagues didn't really come together the way the Canadian Premier League did to make it work. So, you know, just as a fan of the league, I, I would just hope that the minds, even though the 2020 season is just active right now and you guys are still focused on everything that's happening right now, that there's still a, a real, I guess, uh, effort towards making 2021 work on so many different levels, regardless of what happens with COVID. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's, you know, Anthony was just saying it would be nice to have more information from the the league, but it would just be nice to know from the league we're working on it. And I think just that simple three word sentence would have really cut a lot of the frustration. And I'm talking to you, like you run the league, you don't run the league. You just, (laughs) you work for York, but like, you know what I mean? It's, I'm sure you've heard it from your own fans. So we, we absolutely have, and, and listen, we get it. And I think um, it has to be, listen, I said before, we're an attendance-driven league. Without our fans and people in stadiums, we're nothing. That model is incredible for us. We're phenomenal broadcast partners in Media Pro, and I think what we've managed to work with them and create up on PEI and uh, the University of PEI is, is absolutely first class as a broadcast product. Um, but our fans matter. Um, and if the feedback is, we would like to know more, we would like to know this, that, the other, we have to take it on board. Um, we're not sort of, quite frankly, arrogant enough to think, oh no, yeah, whatever. Like, we absolutely hear the fans and um, much as we sort of, we do hear our players and we've responded to our players throughout this tournament um, and had very, very open, honest, frank discussions and, and put programs like sort of very very visible shows of solidarity in place with our playing group um and yeah there's no reason why we wouldn't do that with our fan base either um our fans matter um it's like that the whole thing of fans coming together and and people have seen it as the, the collective and people as collective members across the cities um those fans that trusted us and um 
invested in that and, and kept money with us and rolled it on to next year. We can't thank you enough for that. That's kept us all going. Um, and that those people who have done that, everyone who has trusted us um, in that way, you're a big part of the future of this league as a result of it. And it makes, I think, harder for you guys because as fans being a little bit um, kind of like wanting to know what's going on when it was a big silent, um, the first ones to blame, it's always the club. They go against your club. Like, I don't hear anything. And it probably makes the job difficult for you guys as a club owners, managing partners, you know, because you hear the fans, you know, the CPL overalls, they, they get the feedback from you guys and what is being told on social media. But I'm sure that it will be addressed for next year because it's good that, that we hear a little bit, you know, and it's like it, we're working, as Chris said, you know, like we're working in this and I'm sure that it will be addressed ne next season for sure. So uh, before we move on to um, getting your predictions for uh, who's going to win this bloody thing? Um, I just thought, uh, just just ask you, like, what did what do you actually think of like looking back now, obviously, uh, of the job the league has done in putting the games together? Are you impressed? Yeah, I'm. I'm so impressed, and sort of the staff that are on the ground there, um, it is actually it's unbelievably lean number of staff that are there delivering this. Whether it's um, like so so many people that are working back at base at CPL office and with Roy and marketing and design team um, or the operations team, which is so lean and they must be near dropping quite frankly at this point, having put that many games on um, in such a quick turnaround, like they've done a phenomenal job. Um, and then when you add into it, our partners at media pro and one soccer um, as well, I think the the quality of the and, and the addition of the volume of sort of shoulder programming and studio shows has been a really welcome addition this year. Um, and and that's hard as well to do that many shows with that short turnaround. is very, very tough. So um, we're really lucky as a league to have a, a committed staff to really, really deliver something. And I, I think in particular, the focal point of it, um, it certainly be the, the virtual stadium and everything that's been created there. You guys are, say that part of the world, it's still a feral trek from Halifax to PEI, but um, like there isn't a great deal around that stadium. When you get alternate angles and sort of cutaway shots, you, you see it's a chain link fence um, that sort of borders round pretty low around a field. Um, we've made it look like a world-class arena. Um, and also offered great value to sponsors and partners who, again, have left cash with us and, and believed in us as a league and, and really, really helped us drive this on. Yeah, it's uh, like after all our cribbing and moaning, like you just did pull it together, and uh, we're, we're, we're all really impressed at, at what the league did. Um, so, moving into like, you know, obviously you guys are out, so I thought I'd just get your, your opinion on. Um, why Halifax is going to win this and uh, how they're going to do it. The way he said that, I'm sorry. Obviously, you guys are out. Come on. Come on, man. Man. Get him back, Angus. Hey. Come on. Punch him back. We're wondering about it. We want to apologize. Just the Irish coming up. You got a long line. I apologize for that, Angus. Punch him, punch him back, Angus. Punch him back. Yeah. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with a subtle little jab, right? So, uh, yeah. So, why do you think the Wanderers are going to win the whole thing? 
I think, uh, listen, I think you've got a good chance. Um, I think you've, uh, you've got guys who are playing well. You've got guys that are, are performing above expectation. Um, Garcia, Morelli, in terms of like their expected goals um, and expected goals from open play. I mean, Garcia sits at 1.26 expected and he's obviously got three. Morelli sits at 0.78 and he's got two. Um, and then you've got others who are sit below one but but have one. Um, I think you've got a, a really nice squad there um, and I think you've got an attack that's, that's pretty varied. Um, you're sort of entering the penalty box from multiple places. Um, there's sort of a couple of longer balls and things there but um, I, I think you've got a, a really, really nice sort of team and I think there's a, a real style being, being developed there. I think um, a lot of it goes through uh, Rampasad and Sissoko, but um, they're sort of the real pivots around it all. Um, but then from then on, you've got, you've got a lot of threat going there. And I think... Um, I actually think Alex Marshall's growing into this worryingly um, well, and um, it's uh, it, it's really really working well for him. And I think you guys have got a good chance. You've got as good a chance as any. Um, you've had more turnover in the squad than some of the teams, so it was going to take a little longer to get a bit of cohesion there. Um, Forge and Cavalry in particular are obviously more returnees than yourselves and probably Pacific, um, but it's just working through it all um, and seeing where we go. We've been really lucky with injuries. Um, I, like when you look at all the other squads, like people have like been hit like big time and we kind of got lucky with it. So um, I think that's been a huge yeah. factor in it too. Um, yeah, and you get, you get a guy who um, you mentioned about Joe earlier, but you get a guy back from suspension now as well. who's going to be very, very hungry and have a, uh, a huge point to prove. So um I think that'll be that'll be big for you guys as well. So, uh, what do you think of uh, Marco? Like a lot of people are talking about Marco Bustos as the uh, the MVP. What what do you think of his performances and um, what what how do you rate uh, Pacific's chances? I think I think Pacific uh, are impressive. I think they've got, a, I think they've they they have a front three if they want to play that way. But I think the way that they've been sort of interchanging a little bit and, and actually showing a little bit of discipline to not necessarily play all three together and have a couple of changes there um, uh, has been pretty good. Um, I, I think that that they've done a nice job, um, and I think they've maybe some guys that people thought would play a little bit more. Um, that there are some others that are showing up. I mean, I think people would have maybe thought that other than age, Marcel de Jong would have probably played every minute for them, but you've got a big game at the weekend and he sort of sits um, in exchange for other people. So they've got a coach who's also not afraid to make big decisions um, as well. Um, so, and, and I think they are, they've also got some other players who are stepping up. I, I actually... And I think I said this to you guys before on the last pod. My my yeah, my my first experience of Canadian soccer was watching a pretty well. It wasn't it wasn't the greatest game, but it was it was great <laughs> fun. I put the Wanderers Grant, um, and it was um, Halifax v Pacific in September of either September October of last year. And um, Caden Chung, I sort of watched that game, and I thought that that was a kid who could play, but was just maybe missing a little bit of confidence. 
I think he's growing into it and, and he is really growing into a phenomenal Good. right back who will be pushing um, and, and really, really pushing for further honours. Um, and so, yeah, I think they're a, a very good, very dangerous um, team. But I think, listen, the, the four teams that are in it, I, I think deserve to be there. Um, there, are, there are four very good and, and four very good footballing teams as well. Um, so I think it, it, it's going to be um, really, really interesting. A couple of different stylistic points between the teams. I think where you guys have got sort of your, your joy and sort of entered into the box um, is, is good. Um, and sort of like the, there's a little bit more variation there, I think, than, than some of the others. Um, but I think in particular Forge as well, I, I continue to be impressed by Forge. Um, like they're a very, very organized team. Um, and sort of they have found some really, really nice pockets um, on the right-hand side um, to work the ball into the penalty area. Um, they've done a, a really, really nice job on it. And in open play, they've got far higher concentration of shots coming within the 18-yard box than anyone else. And, and as a result, a higher expected goal per shot. Um, they're, they're also maybe underperforming a little bit on set pieces and their expected goals there. And so if that clicks as well, um, they're going to be really, really dangerous um, and, and tough to play against. Um, it, a lot of it is built from the back, from Crutzen, but they're, they're a good side. Does, um, like going back to the group stage, I guess, like the good thing was that like Cavalry and Forge weren't unbeatable, you know, like like somebody like could turn up and beat them. How happy are you that the, the league at a, obviously apart from poor Edmonton has been so closely matched. Yeah. And, and I, and I say poor Edmonton as well, because like the underlying numbers in it with them, like they, they don't deserve to have just picked up a point. Um, they've been in games the whole way through. Um, and, and I think as well, when you look at the, the score variance in this, it's two ones, two twos. Like I think our game with Forge was like the highest scoring in a three, two, like, um, like, but everything else is, is pretty much a majority of one goal, one goal games. Um, there's no one's been blown out in any game or, or anything else like that. And Edmonton will be sort of like frustrated that they've probably not put together a, a ninety-minute performance. If you chat to Jeff, um, but they're a, they're a team that. Like that, I think the underlying numbers are, are not as bad as, as the results would have suggested for them. And they, listen, they were very close to doing us a favour on the weekend as well. And we, we can't thank them enough. They could have very easily been like, right, bags packed. Let's just get out of here. Um, but they weren't. They really, really fought for it. And um, they've also like, they are unbelievable sort of like hard time as well um, with like the various things that are going on and sort of former players passing away, not just once, but, but twice within this bubble as well for those guys. So Jeff, Jeff is a really, really good Canadian football man. Um, and uh, I, I think the way he approached things and the, the honesty, the integrity he's shown through it uh, really needs commended because it's been a tough situation. Um, but I think in terms of parity league-wide, um, it's been great. And I think as part of that as well, um, 
or Mister and his coaching staff and all of the stuff, Fernando Lopez, Jeff Hunt, all of the guys in uh, Ottawa need a huge amount of credit as well um, because they had a crazy, crazy first year of existence as a, as a team. And um, they've delivered and created some really, really memorable moments through this tournament as well. Yeah, that, they're like you know everybody was kind of talking about them barely being able to get a win, and they've kind of uh, shocked everybody. But um, I, just going back to Jeff, there, I mean, it was kind of painful watching him. You know, like you know, as you said, he's a good Canadian football man, and and seeing him on TV, like like questioning himself and his own ability, it's it's a very hard watch sometimes. Uh, would you like to see him return next year? Yeah, in terms of like, I, I think. Um... Jeff has a role to play in, in the future of this league and the future of football. Um, it, it's not for me to say um, what someone else should do at, at their club with another ownership group. Um, I think uh, I think very highly of Jeff. I haven't spoke to him a couple of times. He, he is quite forward thinking. Um, he He's also, and I think in time he'll admit it as well, um, he, he is still potentially living some uh, mistakes from year one in um, how they um, how they really looked at, at formatting and, and, and how they looked at um, sort of establishing their roster. Um, and I think it's he's got time and I think that the changes he made, some of the players that they brought in, the decisions that they made um, really did show progress. Um, and I, and I think, as, as we've all said, in a short season with this long, um, like they, I think they, that's a club that are, are doing things right as well on field and um, they'll continue to move. And that's why it's important, again, selfishly, we have to put this back to us. Um, that's why it's important why we don't stagnate and, and expect that, well, we'll just have a little bit of time and it'll get better everyone else is trying to get better as well. So we really, really have to uh, make a concerted effort for change and, and make bold decisions to, to do so. Um, it's going to be a tough off-season because it's going to be so long for you for all you guys. Um, did, did Chris or Carlos, do you guys have any uh, more questions there for Angus? Yeah, I, I have a couple of ones, just very short ones for you, Angus. Um, the first one is, uh, you mentioned it before when you were asked um, how the progress of the league and everything. My question pretty much it's about um, in terms of, of the team for 2021, um, you mentioned it, that the uh, Media Pro delivered excellent, you know, in such a short time um, with this tournament, the broadcasting and less games, but we got a good quality product. Um, I noticed the same with and kudos to the Atletico Ottawa ownership too because they pull up a team in such a short period of time. Do you think that for 2021, because we prove that we can uh, go against time and, and we can uh, make things happen, do you think that we could potentially see like an expansion, expansion of two teams maybe? Because we already shown that we can do it, you know? Yeah, I mean, um, I'd never say never. Um, if you want the honest truth, um, COVID showed me never say bloody never. Um, it's been it's been some year, um, but listen, um, we'll, we'll wait and see on that front. I mean, mm-hmm. again, as a board of governors, we have frequent updates um, from people because there's uh, from people. We have frequent updates from the league and mm-hmm. from uh, from David, the commissioner, and from Scott Mitchell. 
um, from on the CSB side as well um, on expansion and what's going on there. I think the one struggle in any and all things expansion right now is that ultimately the borders are closed. So um, if it's groups from outside of the country, um, there's not the ability to, to come in. And even if it's Canadians, many of them are uh, who would have the, the ways, the means to invest are maybe not in Canada um, mm -hmm. per se right now. So we'd have to come back in quarantine, everything else. So there, listen, there's a million things linked to it um, that COVID throws a spanner in the works. Um, but I think we, the vision has not changed. It is a genuinely coast-to-coast representative of the country and the people um and so to do that um we're gonna need to continue to expand there you go and the second one and last one is um if you can share about this like we were talking about big plans for york knife for 2021 um is the idea of still rebranding the club still on the map it's still it's still on the table um it's not mm -hmm. come off the table um mm. on that side of it we, we continue to look at it we have consulted with um fans a while ago and we um obviously that sort of news broke i couldn't even give you a month if you want the honest truth when sort of uh, the fact that we were chatting to fans when we were looking at that mm -hmm. um but it's something we have to look at um we have to build a a brand an experience a club um that truly truly hits the mark um and and, and delivers for um, our current fan base and, and our current fan base are vitally important, but we've got to be bigger. Um, we have to, and, and I don't say this um, lightly because there are some phenomenal success stories around the league and, and they have competition. We sit in the most intense competition for sports and entertainment dollars um, of anyone within the country. So yes, we have the advantage of population, but we also have the, the disadvantage of choice, quite frankly. Um, there is a successful MLS team down the street um, in, in TFC that only that no one else really has that directly in their market. Pacific do to a degree on the island, um, but not in the sort of as the crow flies distance that, that we face um, with that. So we have to offer a product. Um, and a match day experience and everything else that is, is right up there um, for football fans within the great Toronto area. Um, when you then throw on top of that competing for fandom, for dollars in merchandise and ticketing and everything else with Raptors, with Leafs, with Jays, everything else, it's tough. Yeah, um, it is. And it's okay that it's tough, mm -hmm. but again, it's that point of, if we just sit here and don't change, we can't necessarily expect anything different. So that's why we have to go into the rebrand and, and sort of have to look at a potential rebrand with an open mind because we want this to succeed. We want this to be big. Um, we want, as we said before, Friday night football to be a huge thing. People to rock up after work, enjoy a couple of drinks and have a great night. Um, and, and sort of within that, as well we we also we don't compete with youth soccer and we will inevitably with tv with other things have weekend games um 
but that Friday night slot and not being up against under eights, nines, tens, elevens, twelve, all the way through to sixteen soccer on a Saturday and a Sunday is is huge for us. Um, so we need to do that as well. To and people will argue our kids' bedtimes, this, that, the other, but as a parent, the reality is like kids stay up late sometimes and they get treats. Um, yeah. Like why not make that treat something aspirational? We want to make memories for people. We want to be the foundation of something in community. Um, we have to do that. We have to push on. And um, whether it's rebrand, whether it's the fan experience, everything else, it all ties into the success of this club. Um, uh, and we have to make it a success. The Borders are a family have invested an awful lot of money um, in this and they deserve it. And, and ultimately, our, our current fans deserve it as well. And, and, and more people deserve exposure to this league because I, I've just been, as I've said before, nothing but impressed with the people around the country and the quality of soccer this league is continuing to produce and the quality of player this league is producing. I only really had one more question for you, brother. Everybody that has worked to make this season happen have been literally working around the clock focused on just soccer. How have you been able to unwind? And if you haven't, is there any plans? Like, are you and the family going to get away? Is there just, is there, is there a plan for you to just kind of escape from soccer, even if it's just for a weekend? Like, how is Angus getting past all this COVID stuff and kind of bridging the gap till next season? Um, it's, it's tough. Like, it's flat out. It's tough. Um, we've, uh, everyone in it has been on call 24-7 since that, that phone call in February that this is a thing we should keep a real eye on it. Um, and, and, and in the space of oh, that, that, if you remember back that 24 hour window of madness, when it was probably um, really started by the, uh, the NBA suspending games and things really rolling on from there. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like everyone's been on a little bit of a hamster wheel. Um, so at some point, we'll jump off. I think for now, it just slows a little. Um, and uh, But we've got work to do. So um, it's okay. It's what we signed up for when we when we did this. We've got work to do. Um, but we, we'll keep going. I mean, everyone has challenges. I, I'm All of us within football, within this, that, the other. Yeah, we've all worked incredibly hard to do this. And, and I don't minimize and particularly the efforts of my players and coaching staff who've like and, and everyone in that bubble who's given away such time from friends family loved ones um to be there and put this season on um but there are so many people in other professions we we go back and we reference again our healthcare heroes and things like this who were really really the ones smashing up against this um on the front lines from the very very start fearing for their own safety having to fear for their own family's safety um We'll deal with things. We'll get the break when the, when the time allows. Um, and then uh, life goes on, um, the same as it is for everyone else, and uh, we keep going. So I just had a, a, one more quick question. Um, do you guys have your own special beer like the way the Wanderers do? We don't. And uh, Derek and I have chatted about this. He's um, He said he's going to find a way to uh, 
get me a, a sample, shall we say, a sample <laughs> to, to taste and it's, um, like this. Uh, let's beat yeah. Derek to it. Let's 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 beat Derek to it. And yeah. <laughs> send, us, send us your address off the air, and we'll see if we well, can send you something. Yeah. Let's try it's, and work something out. It's a uh, it's a really good beer, and Carlos yeah. is the one who actually designed it for uh, the, the club. So, yeah, I, I, again. Derek, the guys at Halifax, I think it's phenomenal the way that there's so many of you involved in, in decisions and decision-making processes with the club. Um, and listen, in, in this pandemic, beer's been important to many of us. Um, so, uh, uh, it's, it's, great. it's great that, uh, that, that you guys have been able to share a little bit of joy there. Yeah, <laughs> love it. So uh, I just want to thank you again for being so open and honest. We really do appreciate it because a, a lot of times with the bigger clubs and stuff like that, it's, you don't get an opportunity to to talk to the people at the top. So um, thank you so much. Unfortunately, that you just got knocked out because uh, you're actually my favorite for the tournament before it started. So uh, thanks for letting me down. Um, and thank you well, for we, making. We, we were mine too. We were my favorite too. But. It <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thanks for making Halifax your favourites to win the whole thing really appreciate it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so have a great night man I really appreciate it thanks guys thank you no worries, thank guys. you guys soon. cheers now cheers buddy Bye. have a good one We're going, we're going to just do our, our hangover, our hangover ratings. Our, yeah, hangover our, ratings. Our hungover. So uh, I'm hoping that these aren't going to be as harsh as uh, what the hangover normally would, would bring along. But um, yeah, so we're going to uh, just do our humble pie ratings of the, the game yesterday. Uh, the guys put in a great performance and um, winning 2-0 against a, a very stubborn and well-organized um Ottawa team so yeah uh, so we're going to start with the main man himself uh, he was given the Gatorade uh, man of the match uh, Christian Oxner uh, Carlos what did you give him? I'll give him a pint nice he was outstanding um, he was he was great you know I, I'm kind of like man of the match your keeper that means that you didn't attack much but we play amazing so I don't to me he a pint for him Awesome. Extra uh, cheese on it. Uh, I'm gonna give him nine points. Just he, he was he was awesome, but that one handed save he did against um was it Shaw who had it in the first half, I think. Yeah. Like he blasted one, yeah. it and he still met like I'm one handed over the bar. Like that, that that was like that was world class. Um, no bones about it. That was a great save. He so. has Jedi reflexes. I know. That guy. incredible. Uh, and as you said, like it, like it's not yeah. a, it's not a fair reflection of how well we played to have the goalkeeper as the man of the match. Um, it is but he, he played not. really, really well. So nine points for me for Christian. What about you, Chris? Eight and a half, right between you. Um, man of the match for me too. And like you said, Anthony, um, normally when your keeper's the man of the match, it means things were going wrong in the back. But it was kind of him, like we saw last year, leading from the back. And it was in spades. So, so my man, Ox, man of the match. Perfect. Um, so let's move on to uh, Chris now. Um, 
another fucking another solid game from that guy. Like he's just, I, I, as I said on the last one, he's just getting better and better, and he's just fitting more and more into that role. And he's almost like at this stage, probably like one of the first names on the team sheet. So um, I'm going to give Chris No an eight. Uh, how about you, Chris? Uh, uh, Chris, go ahead, man. Sorry. Eight for me, <laughs> Chris. For Chris, the eight, yeah. the eight for me too. And it's it's you're watching the guy's confidence go through the roof. We saw it with a couple of the shot attempts and. Uh, talking to somebody who's not a Wanderers fan yesterday, he said he's probably the right back of the tournament. So, shout out to our guy. Nice. Uh, Carlos? Eight pies. As I mentioned it in my ratings before, he, we, we discussed that it wasn't his position. He was put there, and I told him, we got a right back, and he's here to stay. And he's going to consolidate that in the many seasons to come. He stays with us. So, another solid shift for him, eight pies. Nice. Um Let's switch over to the to the, the far side. Let's go for uh, Mateo. Um, just just stayed on the window, stay under the radar kind of performances. Just went about his business and did it well. Uh, seven pies for me, um, Carlos. Seven pies. He did his shift again. Yeah. Um, he 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 played like he had many years playing in the Wonders. Like you know, oh, it's just you know, he played. He when you see Mateo play, you. It looks like he has the experience that like he's been playing for the Wonders for, for a year. He doesn't seem like he's a rookie, you know, like a new player that he's getting adjusted to the team. He doesn't, he makes everything look like experience it, you know, seven pies for him. Awesome. Uh, Chris? Carlos almost took everything out of my head. Like we're, <laughs> we're seeing a guy kind of integrating into the system. And now we see why Steven is having this tough decision between him and Alex. Because there were times yesterday, I remember saying to you, Carlos, Jesus, Mateo was open in the pocket in the midfield for 10 seconds and nobody passed him the ball. He raised but, a hand. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. it's like, it's, it's, you're now seeing a guy confident in his teammates too. So, you know, at seven, but not a low seven, a, a very high seven, a do your job seven. Perfect. Um, next up, we're going to go to the wall. Uh, Gems. Um, Carlos, what did you give him? Um, another solid, I give James eight, um, because he was, um, I, I saw some stats after that, uh, he, the arrow stats, you know, kind of like a heat map where he moved. Yeah. He was all over that section, like not letting anybody pass. He was just a huge lock, man. So eight pies. Perfect. Chris. Yeah, seven and a half for me. Uh, and it'll be the same with Peter when you ask in a second and both for the same reason, um, they made Shaw look like nothing. And Malcolm Shaw was one of my players of the tournament coming into that last game. And I was actually a little bit fearful. And those guys did a really good job together combined to make him look like he wasn't even in the match. And when he had scoring opportunities, they were confident positions where Oxner could make his saves. So both those guys get seven and a halfs for me. Um, my only note for gems um, aside from Peter is that that guy doesn't know pressure. There were so many times in that second half where Ottawa were sending two on him and he would still take a touch and find his pass to the midfield. So um, we were just talking to Angus and he was talking about how everything goes through Sissoko and Rampersad. And I think it's because Gems has a really good communication with those guys and it's, it's coming together beautifully. So seven and a half for Gems and, and because I know you're about to ask about Peter, seven and a half for Peter, that boy, I, I, I hate you, Peter. I love you, man. <laughs> So I'm going to give James uh, eight points. I think he had, as you said, just he just goes about his business and he just doesn't look flustered. He just gets shit. He make it look um, simple. Yeah, 
And I, I love players like that, you know. It's yeah, like yeah. at the end of it all, as we said before, it's an easy game. So um, moving on to Peter, um, I actually thought Peter was Peter was actually my man of the match, um, not Christian. Yeah. Um, I think again, like he just sticking his fucking head in everywhere, you know. Like he he's he's back to his best. Uh, the cool trank has definitely uh, upped his game. His passing was so much better. It's a lot more. Um, he seemed a lot more focused on on his passing. Uh, nothing was getting past him. Yeah, man, he's a fucking rock. Uh, nine and a half pies for me for Peter. Uh, how about you, wow. fellas? Wow, I, yeah. I I was going to give him eight pies and a pint of beer with a little pretzel because <laughs> that guy yesterday. When I see all all the arrow stats and stuff. You can see the James was in a heat map, kind of like on the left side taking care of business, and, and and Peter was kind of like a little bit more offensive, but he wasn't too offensive like other gates, but he was just a necessary offensive. He did everything right again. Um, again, he delivered a pie for for Peter Shala. Nice, uh, Chris. You said you gave him seven and a half. So seven. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's the fridge, bro. He's the fridge. Yeah. I, I I gave him my man of the match. Actually, I thought he was a. Uh, um, Crazy, crazy yesterday. Again, he was phenomenal. Um, so then we're going to move on to Rampy. I think Rampy just, he, he, like Mateo, he just, he wasn't spectacular. He just got the shit done. Um, so I'm going to give him um, seven pies. Carlos? Seven pies. Again, another shift of Rampy. He, he, he did what he had to do on the game. He was asked to do stuff, and he was pressuring when he had to. He was defensive when he has to. Seven pies. Excellent shift. Awesome. Uh, Chris? Not much more to add. Not because I don't want to say more about my guy Rampy. Because, again, like, I said that he's the best midfielder in the league before he might have been the best midfielder in the league, and now he's showing why I saw it. So a seven, but, again, similar to with Mateo, not a low seven. Perfect. Um, Sissoko, uh, Carlos, what did you give Sissoko? Seven and a half. Nice. Um, <laughs> I gave Sissoko seven and a half. Not to nothing wrong with Rampy, but what Sissoko did yesterday was great, man. It was amazing. He was just like all over the place again, just like distributing passes, accurate as always. He sees things that we don't see. That not even that one soccer cameraman see in the pitch. He sees stuff that we don't see. That's why he's so great. You know, he knows where the player is gonna be, and he's gonna pull the ball over there. You know, I think he's like he's one like one of the players that I can't wait to see live because, as you said, like I mean, like the TV doesn't pick up on yes. everything. So just like being able to see him, his positioning, and how he gets gets there is uh, it's gonna be fascinating to watch, and I can't wait to see him live. Chris, did you get you gave did you give your mark yet for Sissoko? I'm no, lost. no. He, okay, go, he gotta, go <laughs> me too, bro. I'm lost too. This is why it's the hangover edition. Yeah. We got to kind of like, I almost let my laptop die when we were doing the gems and Peter. Um, <laughs> no, Siso was a seven and a half for me. And, and the reason he gets the half point over Rampy, not that I'm like trying to compare them, but a lot of Ottawa's attacks got stunted, whether it was Sissoko just in the right space or Sissoko actually making a tackle. Um, and, you know, we're talking about him distributing and being all over the field on offense. He does the same thing on defense. And you actually literally, Anthony, took the words out of my mouth. I hope he's back next year because you are arguably looking at the MVP of this tournament. If the people who make that decision know their football sense 
as many great guys have performed so far for us this season, if we find a way to win this thing, you're looking maybe at the MVP. So, you know, a, a seven and a half could have been man of the match. I probably should have given him an eight or an eight and a half. The guy is just, I, I, I run out of words. I actually literally run out of words because he does everything on the ball, off the ball, takes good fouls, um, makes great tackles that he doesn't take terrible fouls, distributes, has confidence. I, I, I'm rambling now because I, I had the opportunity to watch this guy, and I've said this before, him and Omar working with you sports. So I kind of knew what to expect, but to see him take it to this level, short tournament, it's, he leaves me breathless half the time, man. And, and it's, it's like you said, Anthony, he's a special player and I hope we get to watch him at the Wanderers grounds next year. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I agree with you guys. I just think he was just a little step, a step above Rampy. So I'm going to give him seven and a half. Um, but I think we're definitely looking at probably the best midfield partnership in the league. That's no disrespect to Louis. Louis's a great player. And um, yeah, I just think that the two of those have just clicked and it just works. And yeah, it's uh, it's it's tough to get through them. Um, so uh, moving on to uh, let's go to uh, the man that had the cheekiest chip of them all, uh, Mister Rigi. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal uh, performance. Just like he just left everything out there. The fact that this guy was in it, he was posting photos today of like him being taken off the pitch when he's at Phoenix and um, like the scene where he is now. It's it's a testament to the hard work and dedication that he's had in his career. So um, I'm going to give him a nine. I think he was, um, yeah, he was phenomenally very close to man the match. Uh, Chris. Yeah. Close for me too. Like I always do the, the minus 0.1. So he was like my 8.4. Um, we've been talking. Not points. They're pies. Hey, pies. Sorry. Pies. <laughs> pies. Crumbs, crumbs, yeah. morsels, morsels. <laughs> You gotta do it with pies. Yes. You actually said it, Anthony. Like it was it was I actually had a bit of a tear in my eye yesterday at the bar when he scored because of his story. And you know, even we talked to Peter leading up to the tournament about how Rigi's doing. And he's like, you know, he's like 80, 90%. And we got to see him train a couple times and he looked good, but you could still see that there was that uh that that, that apprehension, that, that t- you know what I mean? He's still yep. tentative to try to, it's gone. And as a result of that, you know, we, we've been lucky a couple times this tournament with, with mistakes by opponents, but we've taken advantage of that. And like you said, a guy whose confidence is through the roof right now to even try that chip with the game, the way it was, you know, he could be the secret weapon. Andy was talking about the fall guy last episode and, 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 you know, how Rigi was that Omar, you know, blah, 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 blah. We might've found a a solution on the left all of a sudden. And it's a guy who's not selfish and a guy who's also willing to, to believe in himself. So um, he was like my, my just enough, he's my silver medalist for the man of the match (laughs) award yesterday, but that's no shame because like you said, Anthony, just to see his full story kind of get to this point, you almost want to see what the next chapter is. Big time, big time, man. And uh, um, he's, a, he's, he's a really nice guy too. And uh, so I'm, I'm really happy for him. Uh, Carlos, what did you give him? Ten pies. Ten pies. Like, honestly, he yesterday he played. Whoever watches football and tells me that he didn't play a great match yesterday, disregard the goal. What he did yesterday, he was at, like Lorenzo Insigne, you know, from from from, uh, Napoli. from Napoli. 
like you know, like little child. He 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 was just kind of like Lorenzo Insigne playing in in Riggi's body yesterday. All the things he did yesterday, pass distribution. He was where he has to be. He recovered the ball where he had to. He he lost a couple balls and he went and recovered it because I feel like he needed. He was just extra motivated and I don't know, but he deserved ten pies. You know, and a coupon for a free pie for the next purchase. But that guy deserves <laughs> that. Deserves them pies. What he did, regardless of what. I'm glad that I I was holding my pee, and I'm glad I stay until I saw like he was. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just like stay, stay, stay. That wasn't cider in the glass. That was piss. You pissed in the glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I no. I hope nobody drank in that glass. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm, I'm glad I did it because that was it. Really worth it. It really uh, worth it. So, it, was, it was just ten pies. That's so all I have, have to say. He's your man of the match, then, huh? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's move over to uh, the, the opposite wing to Mr. Marshall. Um, great performance. That, him, him and Akeem have a weird telepathic relationship now. Like he just knows when Akeem's going to make that run. And Marshall just puts them on a platter for him. And it's uh, yeah, phenomenal. Like, I mean, it was incredible pass. Um, I'm going to give him eight and a half points. I think he had a great game. And, it, just like Rigi, his work rate was phenomenal. Just just watching how he was tracking back and like you know, like he's he's given everything for the team, like he's making up for lost time. So yeah, phenomenal. It's like it's this is actually one of the best pie ratings we've given and I'm loving every second of it. Uh, yeah, eight and a half pies. Uh Chris. <laughs> well it's it's mostly because like I was saying to you guys, this is the best first fifteen minutes we've played. Yeah. So like when we're given these ratings, the guys are already kind of a notch behind after fifteen minutes. And you know, we, we we love what Alex has been able to do over the first few games, but we know he was a step behind. And we were just speaking to Angus and, and Angus had mentioned that it's it's actually quite interesting to see how Alex Marshall's coming in to play. And Marvin was lucky enough to go up and watch him play in person. And he mentioned Alex Marshall more than anybody else. And even we must have missed some things. So I, I gave him an eight. Um, the assist was just gorgeous. And we've seen him try to make that pass a couple of times. The fact that it's now paid off twice for him, I think. I think that's his second assist. Yeah. Um, confidence, the same thing I was, was saying with Rigi, you know, a guy with confidence. And I admit I'm wrong. You know, we, we were talking about early in the tournament with Steven, you know, if he's fit enough to come off the bench, he's fit enough to start. I think Steven actually figured this one out. And as much as I want to see Corey out there, you know, Alex suddenly does not look that bad on the right. So um, I gave him an eight only like, you know, just the whole notch scale thing, but um, his, his best performance second game in a row and who knows what he's going to bring the next three games, but I have very, very full confidence. It's going to be the Alex Marshall that we were expecting. Nice. Um, Carlos. Uh, eight pies for Alex. Um, to me, he, he did a great game yesterday. I think if you watch, what he did on the field, I feel like he got a tactical assignment for that specific attack. I agree. Because I agree, all, all, yeah. all, 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 every, all the eyes were between Omar was causing trouble on the right as he normally does, and the fact that he can, he, he was, I don't know, like he did, he, he, he played everywhere yesterday, and then you got Riggy. 
and then that's when you get all the defensive confusive a little bit and because you got these two then that's why like a king garcia was just like playing all the balls we're gonna rank him later but like he wasn't all over that's why he was gassed out too because i feel like marshall and king garcia got a very tactical assignment by stephen hart and maybe i'm wrong but only stephen hart knows what he told him and as what anthony mentioned i agree i feel like in this bubble the best thing that could the best thing and the smartest thing that could happen is put them as roommates in the bubble because they're sharing the room a king garcia and alex marshall so maybe that telepathic thing is you know like if they're bonding you know it, it's it's more like when you have that partnership of the strikers like you guys have to bond also outside look at messi and suarez when neymar was barcelona too you know um you got that that special bonding like sometimes that bond it affects in the uh, it, it gets transmitted in the in the pitch you know and i think it's it's giving results nice um so i this is probably the one i'm happiest about giving because he had a phenomenal game yesterday and um, omar um, I'm going to give him like it's. I feel so good having to give him a, a good score compared to the last time because I think he, he played a little bit more where he normally kind of plays. I think. I think. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, he, he was tracking back. He had a few like nice little runs. Um, yeah. He, great performance. Uh, I'm going to give Omar eight point eight points. Uh, Carlos. I'm going to give Omar seven points and a half. Um, he did great yesterday, uh, way better than, than than the game before. And and again, like this is not because we were all hyped up that that we are in the next on the next round and everything. It, it's just it it's it as Chris said, like it's just the best game that we play. It was just there were moments that they had us and kudos to Atletico Ottawa because they're not a bad team at all, and they had us in the edge a few times in the game and kudos to that and Oxner delivered when we had to and Omar delivered when we had to like seven points and a half for him a great 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 um, match that he played I don't know if they listened to the podcast <laughs> I, don't they, I don't know they should I, I don't think so but, but I, I know like, I know a couple of them do and then they just kind of like disperse the information <laughs> <laughs> I, I do know at least I do know at least two of them. Uh, guess what? The, guess what the wankers gave us this time. So hopefully, uh, <laughs> there, there's, a, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot of good form to go around this time. We're actually a bit like, a, and as Carlos says, uh, this is not. Obviously, we're Wanderers fans, but with this stuff, we try to be very objective. Um, and like, as you were saying, Chris, this stuff, the first fifteen, whatever Stephen said to them before the game. He should say to them every game because they came out of the the, the, the blocks like raring to go and yeah like and, we're, this is a really good team. I feel like I feel I feel like the best thing that uh, and Stephen and kudos to Stephen Hart because he nailed it. I feel like the best thing that could happen is give them a day off that they went to the beach, non-stress because they were getting a little bit more, especially for this game. I feel like they were relax but at the same time focus what they have to do and i feel like that extra day off helped them a lot you know team so, bonding etc so you gave um seven and a half chris what did you give omar same rating actually um, 
I, I, was, I was juggling between seven and seven and a half for Omar. But again, it's, it's like you said, Anthony, it's nice to give good ratings for good performances. Yeah. Um, and then uh, last but not least of the starting 11, uh, I came to dream. Um, this, I'm going to give him 9.4 because I gave Peter 9.5. Um, like another, oh, another, surprise. another uh, performance that was, like just self selfless. Like I mean, he he puts everything into the game. He runs around. Like I'm glad that Stephen took him off a little bit earlier to give him a bit of a rest. And um, that's another dimension that we have with the team where Corey can take that spot. But he just for an hour he just ran himself ragged into the ground. Like his finish was the, the run um, for the goal was incredible. The finish was decent, <laughs> uh, but. The, yeah, his overall play again. Like I mean, he just like he's the, the striker that any team would want just because of his work rate. Like he, he, there's no lost cause. He chases everything down. He's in the corners, putting uh, defenders under pressure. He leads from the front. Phenomenal player, and like he's one of my favorite wanderers. So uh, yeah, nine point four for me, um, Carlos. I'll give Akeem eight point five. Um, another great performance. He scored again. He's the top leader score. Uh, again, like when Akeem gets benched, I just, I don't drive enough because he adds so much. He's the wonders. That guy is building history in the club, believe it or not. And I know we got a lot of great players that we love them so much, but the, the poster boy, it's Akeem Garcia. And I feel like he it's gonna be a legend for us. Like the season is gonna for next for, for next year's season, uh he's gonna keep scoring, he's gonna keep building the status of legend. King Garcia it, it's it's always gonna deliver for us. He's like a good beer, it's a good cold beer, it's never gonna di- disappoint, you know. Have you drank Budweiser? That law was disappointed, it's fucking piss. So but yeah, it gets no. you drunk. <laughs> I'm just and it does the job. So. Yeah, it does the job. <laughs> there you go. That's Hakeem Garcia. That's the job. <laughs> yeah, but Akeem, Akeem is a lot better than a Budweiser. Oh, yeah, yeah he is. Yeah. <laughs> He's an air digger. He's an air digger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chris, what did you give him? <laughs> You know, I, I now that we're at the last rating, I kind of wish I gave everybody an extra point because giving Akeem an eight just doesn't feel right. But that's what I gave him. And again, it's, you know, it's, it's a high eight. It's work rate, commitment. And I'm glad Carlos said what he said. He's one of Steven's first recruits. He's from, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a different kind of soul and energy to Akeem. And you can feel that with Rampy too. Like there's... Mm. There's a natural connection, and Akeem leads breaking a record now by example. Um, I was worried after that last game, not getting subbed off at all, that he was actually going to be a little bit winded. And the first 15, 20 minutes, he was the spear. He was pushing the defense. He made people feel uneasy. And as a result, we got that early goal, and we just rode it from there. Um I like that Carlos said that he's making history. Like he's the kind of guy who continues to prove myself and everybody wrong. Um, you know, he's short, he's playing out of position. He's this, he's that he keeps scoring goals. 
And at the end of the day, that's who you want and what you need at the top of your line. So when Eber got hurt, I was a little concerned. I think we were all a little concerned because we knew that we didn't have many options at the front. But I feel more confident with Froggy than ever before, which is saying something. Nice. So then uh, substitute-wise, um, we're not going to rate Alex, um, the Carolis or, or Jake because they come on quite late into the game. Um uh, Corey came on uh, in the 62nd minute for Akeem. I think he did. He was trust into a role that maybe he wasn't aware he was going to have to do. Um, so I'm going to give uh, Corey six pies. Um, Carlos? I give Corey six pies too. Um, you know, I've always been giving him ratings, you know, like good, good pies for him, you know. But... Uh, I feel like, as you said, that it wasn't a role for him. But I think how the match was being held, we were winning to zero. We were playing the quali- the most a final for us to qualify to the next round. We, we, we needed to win that one. And he says, okay, if you have me cooking all the time and I have to do the dishes and I'm going to be the dishwasher, in, 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 in this shift, I'm going to do it, you know, because we have to do it. It's, that's, how, that's how Corey Ben did it. And, and so we have, uh, we have the wall, which is James. We have their cool trunk, which is uh, Peter. And then we have Corey, the dishwasher bent. In <laughs> this one. In this one. Uh, he, Don't he, get me wrong, because I've been rating be- Corey Bent. He's gonna be I, so I mean, I, thrilled to hear that. <laughs> no, Corey. You know, Corey. I've I've been rating him high. I know, he, I'm, I'm but he, he he's not his position to me, honestly. And this is my point here: that to me, Corey Corey Bent, he could have the moves and everything. But to me, Corey Bent is not a striker. It's not a nine. He was put there because we have probably like I don't know. Ibra could have done it. I feel like it was probably a match for Ibra, but I don't know if he's hurt or not. But the uh, you know, okay, Corbin was there, perfect. He he had he he was assigned to that task. He did it, perfect. But to me, Corbin's more like a winger, honestly. And Chris, what did you give him? I gave him a six, and I was super mad that he didn't make the starting lineup. But you know, it things just kind of fell the way they did. He just does his job. He's a team player. He makes the sacrifice, and I, I was. One of the one of the Zoom chats that they've done with all of us season ticket holders slash collective people, he was mentioning that he started his career as a right back. So you can kind of see that edge to his game. We've been talking about it the entire tournament. But like Carlos said, um, he was kind of thrust in that role just to kind of hold a lead. And he did what he did. Um, I hope that him and Ebra are both fit. It's kind of my only concern going into these next three games is that, you know, I, I was just saying I'm confident with Akeem up front all three games, but there isn't that backup option. I don't think if Akeem goes down because both Corey and uh, Ibra both might have some fitness issues. I hope I'm wrong. And and I don't want to bug them guys and be like, are you fit? Or are you not fit? I did, you know, I, I, I'm just trying to like view this as a fan completely. And I'm, it's it's a weird one because Rigi made up for what we didn't have with Corey on the field. So, you know, I'm not that worried with Corey not playing over the next couple of games and he's a great option off the bench, but I feel like that was a guy who was MVP at the start of this tournament. And now we don't know what his role is over the next couple of the games. And 
it, you know, we've been giving Steven so much credit and everything's been positive. But once we get to Corey, I, I just have this weird cloud over my head. Like, what's the role for the rest of the tournament? Is he fit? Is, like, what's going on with Corey? So I'm really anxious to see actually what happens on Wednesday because I feel like that's the type of game where he should be in the starting lineup. He can attack that back line with pace like he did in the game he played. So um, I I gave him a six, and it's a hopeful six because it was just nice seeing him out there again. But I don't like not seeing him in the starting lineup after the performances he put in. Yeah, I think though at the beginning, like I, I, I don't even know if like he would have made a lot of people's starting um, team. Like I know the people who know, who's like obviously seen him in Cape Breton and stuff like that, would have a different opinion. But you know, we always kind of felt that he was going to be an option from the bench. I think because he got because Alex came in that late, he he got to play, and it's kind of hard when you like you've done nothing wrong and you've played so well in so many games to be like popped on the bench. But I mean, you look at the level of where Alex is and look at the level where Reggie is and it's, it's tough. It's tough decisions. And this is why Steven gets paid the big bucks, right? Because he's the guy that has to, at the end of the day, like disappoint somebody. But I mean, it's, it's a great, it's a great problem to have that we have so many options all over the pitch as we were kind of saying, like, I mean, like the only kind of place where we're struggling a little bit is up front, but I'm just hoping that Ibra is maybe just being held back because they just don't, they didn't see the need to, to risk him and um, yeah. to, to, to get him injured. So, so, so Louis came on for the last 20 minutes. I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to, he got, he got a yellow card after 10 minutes. Uh, Did you see the tackle that he got lucky that he yes. didn't get a red card? <laughs> and this is yeah and do you know what like it's been such a positive episode I don't want to get into bashing anybody because we've said it all before is that the guy is just trying too hard like it's it's like I know it's difficult with um, Rampy and Sissoko playing so well and obviously he thought he thought he was going to be a starter from the get go because of what he did last year in, in Valor but he just needs to calm down and like I mean like it would have been the most ridiculous red card in the fact that we were controlling the game and we were just seeing it out. <sighs> anyway, so um, he only played for 20 minutes, so I'm just going to give him five plays and just leave with that. Uh, Carlos? Um, the, the issue with LBG, I think, is it's a different player decision than he was in Valor, right? Uh, Valor was more technical, the guy that it was a pass, and now we're seeing the aggressive and everything. And I feel perhaps that LBG, Louis, is looking on training and looking how is this season going for him and the whole team. And he sees like two quality midfielders like Sissoko and Rampi. And he say, well, I have the same abilities and I can do it like them and I can do it better. But maybe I need to watch something different in my game. And maybe that's why we're, we are looking at a rough rebel LBG and we don't need that we need part of it and as I mentioned before like I always make my comparisons like Casemiro plays a little bit like that but Casemiro is my I'm not trying to compare those two players but I'm talking about styles Casemiro delivers elegance and he 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 plays rough like he always get a a, a yellow card and stuff but he gets away with it you know he's a solid guy that you can rely on him so maybe 
ALG is trying to find his path, you know, what kind of style I can bring up to the Wonders because I know that I can be that elegant player, but we already have Sissoko, we have Rampi. I want to be that difference. And maybe he's trying to show Stephen Hart that maybe adding those styles, those hybrid, maybe he can do better. But I think he's getting too stressed and he's committing all these unnecessary faults. And he was really, really lucky to not get a red card with that tackle that he went right into the chin of the player. Uh, it was just like he got really, really lucky to get away with that. And he already has uh, three yellow cards. One more and he gets – we ended up with ten. So I'm going to give Louis four pies and a half. Okay. So half a pie more than what he got last week. So he's uh, coming up in the world. And these ones are not frozen. Um, Chris, what no, did you – hot. Uh, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> Chris, what, what did you give him? I feel like I'm the president of the Louis freaking fan club right now, man. Like we, I don't, actually, we don't hate Louis, man. Like, I know, honestly, I know. I'm not saying that. No, that you, know, yeah. you know what I mean? I just, I, I actually kind of agree with, with, with what Carlos said. The frustration is kind of bringing a different style of his game out. And I had the opportunity to ask him after the last game, before the last game, sorry, after the second last game, before the last game, where did this tenaciousness come from? And he was really honest, and he said this was a new part of his game. And I think that that's why we're kind of seeing the recklessness to, to an extent. I feel like he's mistiming the tackles because he's not used to putting in those tackles. But he's a footballer that wants to make that tackle happen for the good of the team. Um, I love the guy. It, it's, we've got this flow and mix of players. We don't have – an asshole <laughs> for lack of better terms. He's and, not an asshole in real life. That's and I know, and that's, that's the know? thing, right? Like, he, and, if he was an asshole in real life, that would be a big problem in the local yeah. room, but he, <laughs> he's the nicest guy, you know? Yeah, oh, and and, that, and that's, that's, that's why I think it's like, he's a hardworking guy too. And I think that he's, he's as disappointed in himself, not to say that we're disappointed in him, but I think that even he's kind of feeling what we're kind of feeling. We expected one of the best players in the league. He was arguably one of the best midfielders in the league last year. And we're kind of seeing a step down, but we've been giving Rampy and Sissoko a ton of praise for how they've played over the last couple of weeks. And it's clear that Steven is now going with the advanced third midfielder in the system. So Louis is maybe a little bit frustrated and Louis now has this role where he's going to come in off the bench and pardon my language, Jack and dad, fuck shit up. Because, you know, uh, Rampy and Sissoko do their job. Louis's job is to not really do a job. And I actually like what I see. Um, I gave him six and a half off the bench. I did. Because I'm kind of at that benefit of the doubt point with Louis, where I'm not going to really criticize what he's offering us this year. If this is what we get next year from Louis, then I'll ask some questions. But I really don't think he's going to cost us anything over the next couple of games because I think that everybody's kind of settled into their role. And I guess that's more or less where I'm getting at with Louis. I just think that, like, um, I, I know like he's coming in to, to do a job in that, but, I mean, like, how how awful would that last 10 minutes have been had he been sent off, you say, for like, just 
stupid reasons. It's it just and that, and that's that's what I was saying about experience. Like I, th- I he mentioned to me that this tenaciousness is new to him. So you know, well, like, not, not to not to bring it up again, but Stephen mentioned that this season is also there's, partially. There's a difference partially between like being tenacious and like and being full of exuberance, but at the same time, like I mean, you're, you're also a professional, and you have to realize that you know if you go charging into a tackle, like you're a probably going to fuck somebody up, and b you're going to put the, you're probably going to leave the team with a man down. So I mean, it's it's also it's not it's all about like focusing and making sure that you're making the right tackles and not just doing something for the sake of it because you think it's the right thing to do. So I, I just think he just needs to chill out. Like, like he's a, he's a great footballer and he just needs to realize that he's a great footballer and he doesn't need to be Vinny fucking Jones or something, you know, like just play football. You know what I mean? You're good enough. Just You, you can read Rob the game. Robertson. Yeah, like, Robertson. yeah, exactly. Right. You, like you can, you, you know how to read the game. Just follow your instincts and stop trying to be something that you're not. That's all. That would be my advice. On anyway, so um, thanks again, lads, for hanging out. Uh, our our patented pie scale. Um, we owe we owe a lot of pies out this week because we were very very generous with our marks. But uh, the guys put in a great performance. Thanks for our friends at Humble Pie for for sponsoring our pie scale reviews. Uh, pies and points, the perfect match. Um, also, I want to say thank you to everybody for coming down to, to Dirty Nellies yesterday and making our first uh, watch party a huge success. Um, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I had a fantastic time. It was a lot of fun. Um, thank you to all the yeah. uh, the Dirty Nelly staff for putting up with a lot of boisterous, wondrous fans. Um, really appreciate them doing that. Um, I'm not too sure if we'll get to do another uh, watch party because there's plans in the offing coming from the club. So um, the one that we did do was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks. Thanks to you guys to helping to organize it, uh, Carlos, especially doing all the um, the graphics for him, man. That was great. You did a great job. And no if you want, really quick, I will be there Wednesday, um, probably with my son. And then I think that we'll go- we're probably going to do Tuesday too. So nothing official, but if you guys have made it this far in the podcast <laughs> and <laughs> are, bored either, are bored either on Wednesday the 9th or Tuesday the 15th, Hmm. Yep, dirty, my yeah, yeah, too, yeah. Um, come down to Dirty Nelly's and and keep things going because yep. like um, yeah, anything, I'm sure there'll be people. Thing, I'm sure there'll be people be around. It's it's more just like it's great to hang out with people again and see people from the ground for their faces and just to be part of um, a crowd just really really enjoying the games and um, it's it's nice to be in with all these great people watching the team be successful. So, yeah, um, thanks again to, to Gino and the crew at the Dirty Nellies. Uh, thank you to you guys. And we will see you on the next one. Cheers, Come on, motherfuckers. Come on, you wanderers. Come on, you wanderers. This episode of the Down the Pub podcast is brought to you in association with Bootbox Vancouver, suppliers of boot socks. No movement in the boot means no blisters on the foot. Head to bootboxvancouver.com to get yours today. Our Wanderers Games reviews are brought to you thanks to the good folks at Humble Pie. Authentic butterflake pastry filled with local cuts, quality cheese and rich gravy to fill you up on the go or in the comfort of your own home. Head to humblepiekitchen.ca to get yours today. Pies and pints, the perfect match. You've been listening to the Down the Pub podcast, recorded in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Head to downthepub.ta to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.